Our daughter, Sophia, who is just up here, uh, just turned three years old on Thursday. It was, uh, it was her birthday, and the theme for her birthday this year was ballet. As you can see, uh, a lovely picture of our daughter there. Um, Sophia, she loves to dance around, and so we decided to sign her up for a sample ballet class just to see if she might like that, and she loved it. It was like amazing for her, and so Sophia will be starting some sample, um, some, some ballet lessons over the next several weeks, and so um, earlier this week on Monday, it was my day off, and I was spending the day with Sophia, and the first thing that she wanted to do after I had dropped Lucas off at school was she said, Daddy, ballet! She wanted to do ballet with me. Um, and so she had us line up next to each other on the line like she does with her, her classmates. And, and then she said, we have to stretch and touch our toes, which I could not do very well, um, but I tried. And then she had us stand up and put our hands on our hips and hop, um, which is what they do in their ballet class. And it, it is just so much fun for me to see the joy and excitement on her face when she is hopping and dancing around. Just this, this freedom and fun that comes so naturally to a little three-year-old girl. Um, well, in our text today, we're going to read about someone even younger than Sophia, who also was leaping for joy. Uh, we find John the Baptist, who was that fiery prophet that we talked about two weeks ago, here in our text today as an unborn baby, a baby still in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. And this tiny infant John leaps for joy in the womb when he is in the presence of Mary and Jesus, who is being carried by Mary. Um, Mary, who had just heard the news that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. And so my sermon title uh, today is Leaping for Joy. We're going to look at this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth and how it might lead us into leaping for joy as we move from this final Sunday in the season of Advent into celebrating Christmas this week. So our text is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. We'll have the verses on the screen, um, or you can follow along in your Bibles, the Bibles in the pews. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, this amazing encounter between Mary and Elizabeth um, these expectant mothers and what you were doing there. We pray that as we uh, study this, this passage and that you would open our ears, our hearts um, to receive what you have for us today and that you would fill our hearts with joy as we enter into this week of Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Although there is much joy in the text that I just read for you, I want to start actually by going back a little bit before this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth to the situation of each of these women um, that, that happened before this encounter. And, and the reality that we're going to see in both their lives and also in our lives is that we often lack joy in our lives. Before we talk about how we can be filled with joy, we need to acknowledge that sometimes we, we lack joy in our lives. Um, Elizabeth, that was, that was probably, that was very true for, for her. Um, Elizabeth was an older woman. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us exactly how old she and Zechariah were, but in Luke chapter 1 verse 7, um, Luke, the, the gospel writer, says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Um, this woman, Elizabeth, she was barren. She was unable to conceive a child. And in that culture, this was an incredibly shameful situation. Um, in fact, later on, when Elizabeth finally does become pregnant, obviously we know that from the text today, um, she says, the Lord has taken away my disgrace among the people. And so Elizabeth, she felt disgrace, actually, for being barren. She felt this shame and disgrace and, and, and a lack of joy. You can imagine um, a younger Elizabeth, probably having just married Zechariah, um, starting off in their life together, excited about, about what their, their, their future might hold, and she must have pictured children that they would have together. Again, that was a huge part of, of that culture in that, in that time, and the joy that those children were going to bring to them, and yet that future never came to Elizabeth. Year after year, they waited and waited, and, and there was no child. And now many years later, Elizabeth was past the age of childbearing. And you can imagine her being filled with sadness and disappointment at, at hopes that, that weren't realized. Maybe you can relate to Elizabeth. Maybe in your younger years, you, you kind of had your whole life planned out, exactly how your life was going to go. But then things turned out differently, maybe, than how you had planned Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're, and you're struggling with that, even, even during this season, um, realize, struggling with, with being single or, or being childless or, or not having the career that you maybe had imagined or the success that you had hoped. Maybe your marriage or another relationship has fallen apart. Maybe you've lost a loved one unexpectedly and someone that you thought you were going to have more time with. You know, for some of, of our youth who are here today, we got a, a few younger people in the crowd, um, it might be a little bit harder for you guys to relate to Elizabeth, um, this woman who is well along and near the end of her life. You're, you guys are just starting off in life. But even for a younger person, you can still hit unexpected roadblocks. And that's what happened to Mary. Mary was probably a teenager and she was engaged to be married to Joseph. And, and so similar to Elizabeth in her younger years, Mary probably had this vision of kind of how her life was going to go with Joseph. But then this angel appears to her and tells her that she is going to have a son, even though she was still a virgin and she was not yet married to Joseph. And you can imagine this, this, this news hitting Mary, the questions running through her mind how is Joseph going to react to this? The fact that I'm pregnant and, and he knows it's not his child. What's her family going to say when, when she tells them that, that she's going to have a baby? How is she going to be treated by the people in her town? Suddenly Mary's life is turned 
upside down. A few weeks ago, Pastor Daniel Stenberg and his wife Karen, who um, serve at the Lutheran Brethren Church in Bergenfield, New Jersey, here's a picture of their family, Um, they shared the the exciting and joyful news that they were expecting their sixth child. Uh, As you can see there, they have five boys, and and they were going to be expecting their sixth. Uh, Their sixth child is due in May. But just this past week, they shared the sad news that this little one has trisomy 18, which is a genetic mutation that can significantly affect the child's development. Uh, Most babies with trisomy 18 don't make it to full term, and 95% of the babies that are born end up dying within the first year of life. And so the Stenbergs are reeling from this unexpected news. The, the excitement that had been growing in them about this, this new baby has suddenly given way to sorrow as they process the likelihood that they're going to have to say goodbye to this little one. When unexpected things happen in our lives, it can cause us stress and confusion, and it can easily lead to a lack of joy as a result. When life doesn't go the way that you planned, it's easy for disappointment and bitterness to suck the joy out of life. And here's the thing, it's not always easy to admit that, especially during this time of year. I mean, we're supposed to be feeling Christmas joy, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year, as the song goes, right? How can we be feeling sad? And yet, maybe you are. Maybe that joy is is lacking this year, or what if you just don't feel that way? Now, maybe for some of you, things have gone basically like you planned in your life. You know, you kind of had a vision, and and things have kind of gone according to, to that way, and you look at your life, and you're generally pretty thankful for what you have. But here's the thing, you can still lack joy even when your circumstances are pretty good. I speak from personal experience here that it is very easy to play the comparison game where, where someone out there seems to have more of what you want or, or who's better at you in something that you're striving to be or striving to do. Or, or maybe you look inside and you realize you're not the person that you really wish that you were. You see the flaws that are there. You see the imperfection. And, and you maybe keep struggling with that particular issue or you just keep falling short of your own expectations. And maybe, you know, your life on the outside looks really good, but on the inside you're struggling to feel joy even this season too. Maybe you feel guilty for the fact that you're not feeling more joyful. You know, you should have joy and Maybe you even come to church on a Sunday like today and you try to put on a happy face to others, but deep inside you just feel this lack of authentic and lasting joy. For honest, there are moments in our lives where we feel that lack of joy. So what does God do to, for us in those moments? How does God meet us when we're lacking joy? Well, the next thing that we see in our text is that God freely and graciously blesses us. He freely and graciously blesses us. Sometimes God graciously blesses us by actually giving us the thing that we're longing for. That's what happens to Elizabeth. God miraculously blesses Elizabeth with a son, even in her old age. God takes away her disgrace. 
It took a long time, a lot of waiting to get there, but God finally gave her this. But here's the the thing that's so crucial. God does this freely and graciously. God didn't have to do that for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they didn't do anything to earn this from God. It wasn't like Zechariah and Elizabeth were more faithful to God and said, okay, now I'm going to bless them. No, no. This is something that God freely and graciously did. He chooses to bless Elizabeth undeservedly through this gift of a son. And yet, we all know that there are other times where God doesn't give us the thing that we're longing for. I mean, God gave Elizabeth a son, but he doesn't always give a child to the couple who are hoping for one. He doesn't always heal the person that we're praying for. He doesn't always give us the job that we're hoping for. He, he doesn't always take away the, the thing, the issue that we're struggling with. You know, God, he could miraculously heal that baby of the, 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 of the Stenbergs, the Stenbergs baby, but also he may not. And so how do we deal with the fact that sometimes God doesn't bless us maybe exactly the way that we expect? He doesn't give us the thing that we're, that we're hoping for. Sometimes God actually chooses to bless us in a way that we're not expecting. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be a blessing at first, and it actually ends up being God's gracious gift to us. We see this a little bit in, in Mary's life, I think. You know, for Mary, again, her, her unexpected pregnancy probably didn't feel like much of a blessing at first, as she deals with the reality that in that culture, being pregnant before being married was incredibly shameful. Mary was going to face the rejection and judgment of her family, the surrounding community. You can imagine her wondering, you know, how, God, what are you doing here? But when Mary arrives at Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth shouts out in a loud voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. So Elizabeth proclaims to Mary that, that although maybe Mary is struggling with this, that Mary is in fact blessed. Why is she blessed? Not because she's having a child, but because of the identity of that child, because of who this child was. In verse 43, Elizabeth says, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Filled with the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit with knowledge beyond what Elizabeth knew maybe herself, Elizabeth proclaims, This truth that that this child that Mary is carrying is actually Elizabeth's Lord. Part of the, the gracious blessing to Mary was that God had chosen her to be the mother of the Son of God, just like the angel Gabriel had told her. And although Mary was going to face challenges because of this pregnancy, and and it, it wasn't probably a part of her original plan, God had a much greater plan for her. And just like with Elizabeth, Mary hadn't done anything to earn or deserve this role. It was something that God chose to do for her freely and graciously. But here's the thing. Even beyond the gift of a child to Elizabeth, even beyond the gift of Mary being given this role of being the mother of the Son of God, there is a greater blessing that we see in this text. There is an even greater example of God freely and graciously blessing not only Elizabeth, not only Mary, but blessing us. You see, the greatest blessing that we see in this text is the child himself, Jesus. God had freely 
graciously chosen to bless not just Elizabeth and Mary, but to bless the whole world by sending this child, by sending his own son, who would freely and graciously bring blessing to humanity. In the next chapter in Luke, after Jesus is born, in a, in a text that we heard last Sunday, in a text that we're going to be reflecting on even again tomorrow night on Christmas Eve, we hear that, that announcement of the, the angel to the shepherds outside of Bethlehem saying, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What will cause great joy for all the people? This child, who is the Savior, the promised Messiah, the Lord himself. He had come to bring great joy to all people. How would he do this? By being our Savior. There's a drawing, which is going to be up on the screen here in just a second, that was done by a Catholic nun. And it shows on, on the right, Mary, pregnant with Jesus. And on the left, it shows Eve. I don't know if you can quite see that. But there's Eve, back from Genesis, clutching that fruit, the forbidden fruit that she and Adam ate in the Garden of Eden. And wrapped around Eve's ankle is a serpent, Satan, who tempted her and Adam to rebel against God. And you can maybe see this, that, that Eve's face is, 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 is down. It's, it's full of shame at the sin that, that had entered into the human race because of her and Adam's sin. And yet she also is looking down at Mary's pregnant belly and reaching out to it as Mary clutches her hand and Mary touches Eve's face with compassion. On the ground, Mary's foot is stepping on the head of the serpent. And this is a reference to Genesis 3.15, where after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God said to that serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God made this promise all the way from the very beginning, the beginning of the story in Genesis, that one day the offspring of Eve would crush the head of Satan. And now, the one who actually did that was not actually Mary. That's maybe the one inaccuracy in this, in this painting. But, but the one who Mary was carrying, it was Jesus. Jesus himself would, would crush the head of the serpent. And this, I think, is such a powerful image because it shows us that, that through this, this little child who's not even yet born, being carried by Mary, that all of the brokenness and sin and shame in our world that originated from Adam and Eve would finally be dealt with. This little child was, was coming to rescue us, was coming to bring restoration into our world. He, Jesus, came to be our Savior, to save us from sin and shame, to crush the serpent's head, to reverse the effects of the fall. And that is the greatest expression of God freely, graciously blessing us, sending his Son. But now here's the question. How does all of that make a difference to us 
in our everyday lives when we're feeling a lack of joy. Going back to what we talked about in that first point, right? When we're feeling that lack of joy, how does God's free and gracious blessings in Jesus give us joy even when our circumstances are difficult, even when things don't, aren't going according to our plans? Well, the final thing that we see in our text is that we can leap for joy when we believe in God's promises. Why did that little unborn infant John the Baptist leap for joy in Elizabeth's womb? Because he was in the presence of the Savior of the world, of Jesus. Later in life, John would point to Jesus and say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John is even doing this, even from the womb, this taking this role of, of pointing to Jesus, of, of being the forerunner. And although the, the unborn John, he didn't have the intellectual capability of fully knowing and understanding all of who Jesus was, all of, of what he had come to do, right? He didn't know all of that at this, at this stage. And yet somehow, when Mary walked into that room, the tiny baby in Elizabeth's womb knew that his Savior was there. And he leapt for joy. Somehow, in a, in a miraculous way, this tiny infant believed in God's promises. And it caused him to leap for joy. And we see something similar in Mary. In the last verse of our text, Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. When the angel Gabriel had told Mary that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, her first response was to ask, how in the world is that supposed to happen? Right? I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? But then after Gabriel explained that it would happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary trusts God. Even beyond her full comprehension, she believes that what God says he's going to do, he will do. She believes in God's promise. Now, did Mary understand exactly how the Holy Spirit was going to cause her to conceive a child while she was still a virgin? I doubt it. Did she understand how this baby was going to be fully human and fully God? Probably not fully. Did she understand the doctrine of the Trinity? How God is one being in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No, she didn't understand all of this theology behind what was happening. But did she trust in God's word to her? Yes. Did she believe that somehow through this child, God was keeping his promises to Israel and to the world? I think so. See, this faith, faith that holds on to God's promises even without fully understanding them completely. This faith led to blessing for Mary. And it led Mary to sing a song of joyful praise to God. That's what happens right after this text. I wish we had time today to go into all of Mary's song. But it's an amazing song of praise to God. And, and God who, who takes the high and lowers them and takes the low and raises them up. She being one of those that, that God was raising up. 
It caused Mary's heart to leap for joy, just like that little infant, John the Baptist, leaping in the womb. Even though I'm sure she had a lot of uncertainty and confusion about what was going to happen in the coming weeks and months, she didn't have all the answers, and yet she felt that joy rise up within her. Karen Stenberg, uh, the woman that I mentioned earlier, she wrote a blog post this past week processing the difficult news about their unborn child. And her words clearly show how trusting in the promises of God, trusting in God's free and gracious blessing that comes through Jesus Christ has brought her joy even in the midst of her sorrow. So I want to just read a selection from that post for you in closing. She writes, This world is broken and filled with hurt. And I am reeling from the consequences of that right now. However, as Christmas approaches and we think of this season that is or should be filled with joy, I can't help but be reminded of why we are filled with joy. It's not the food or the presents or even spending time with family and friends. All of that is wonderful and joyful. But the real reason we can have joy in this season is because Christ came. Christ came and walked the hard road to the cross and took our sin, shame, and brokenness so that we can have forgiveness and reconciliation in Christ, so that he can restore and make things new. Christ came to make things right. Christ came to heal our brokenness and hurts and to make us whole. Christ came so that someday we will live with him where there is no more death and no more sorrow, no more trisomy 18, and he will wipe away the tears from our eyes, and things will be as they should be. Christ came and walked the hard road to the cross so that I can walk this hard road now with hope and his peace. Because of the gospel, I can praise the Lord in my grief. Because of the gospel, I can say that God is good. Because of the gospel, I have hope and assurance in my sorrow. Because of the gospel, I can have peace in the storm. Brothers and sisters, God loves you and me. He loves us unconditionally. And although we don't deserve it, and we could never earn it, God has chosen to freely and graciously bless us by sending his son into the world. He was born as one of us. He lived a life we could never live. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. He was raised to new life. And because of this, he forgives all our sin. And he adopts us as his children. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us. And he promises to return one day to put an end to all suffering, sin, and death itself. Now, does that news make your heart leap for joy? Maybe like Mary, you may not exactly understand how God has done all of that for you. Maybe you still have some questions in the midst of that. 
Or maybe like the infant John, maybe you don't even understand fully why, but, but somehow you feel this faith rising up in you and your heart responding with joy. That's the Holy Spirit working, giving you faith to trust him. Maybe you're still struggling to understand why things have happened the way that they've happened in your life. And that's okay too. But I want you to know that the same God who kept his promise to crush the head of the serpent by sending Jesus, he is the same God who will be with you through whatever unexpected events come your way, through your disappointments, through your losses, and you can trust him. So as we celebrate the birth of Emmanuel, God with us this week, as we go to the manger to see our Savior and our Lord being born for us, let us leap for joy and sing songs of joyful praise to our God, just as Mary did. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that oftentimes our hearts are not filled with joy, that, that even during this time of year where we, we feel like we should, Lord, that sometimes there are other things going on in our, our lives that, that make it difficult to praise you, make it difficult to feel the joy. And Lord, we know that, uh, that we can't control our circumstances, but we also know, God, that you are the one who you have sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to save us, to give us new life. And so, Lord, we can trust you even in the uncertainties, even in the questions, even in the unexpected things that, that sometimes are difficult to deal with in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with faith, the faith like that little infant John the Baptist, to trust and the faith of Mary to believe even in, in the midst of questions and, and that you would fill us with joy, joy even in the midst of our circumstances, to sing your praises because you have redeemed us, because you have saved us. And we look forward to the day when you will return, where you will return to bring us into the fullness of your joy, where there will be no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more death. We long, we long for that day, Lord. And we pray that you would give us an eager expectation of waiting, even in, with joy, as we wait for that day. In Jesus' name, amen.